Hello everyone, my name is Ildar. Welcome to another episode of Ask Me About North Korea, a podcast about the most reclusive country in the world. In this podcast, I'm answering the most widespread questions about North Korean politics, society, and culture, in a short and concise manner, based on factual evidence. If you like this podcast, I would be grateful if you could share it, leave a positive review, or subscribe. You'll find the transcript of this episode, as well as some commentary posts, book and film reviews on the podcast's website, www.askmeaboutdprk.wordpress.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Telegram. Finally, as the name of the podcast suggests, please feel free to ask me questions in your comments and reviews. I will do my best to answer them in the next episodes. And now, let's start. Continuing with the series of episodes where I talk about various aspects of daily life in North Korea, today I chose to focus on leisure activities at the request of one of my listeners, Simon Jones from Leeds, the United Kingdom. Thank you, Simon, for staying tuned, and hope you will find this episode interesting. Leisure is an essential part of humans' daily lives. Wherever we are, we try to carve out some free time for our hobbies, ranging from watching TV series to going on mountain climbing expeditions. After all, working all the time is physically and mentally impossible. Thus, even in the most authoritarian of countries, both the state and the people have to think about the questions of leisure. North Korea is no exception. Average North Koreans do not have too much time for leisure activities. Aside from eight hours of working, they are also assigned at least one or two hours of the so-called organizational activities about which I was talking in episode 20. That is not to count the time that they also have to spend on voluntary activities, such as preparations for various celebrations, parades, and mass games. Yet even there, in the most controlled society on earth, people want and need some time off their duties. Unfortunately, like with many other aspects of daily life, leisure is extremely politicized in North Korea. Many leisure activities are regulated and or overseen by the government. Ordinary North Koreans do not have that many opportunities to collaborate with each other in the name of art or relaxation at their own will. The public space is tightly controlled and non-registered meetings of more than four people can be deemed illegal. Instead, people must partake in leisure activities that are administered by the state. The mere fact that the country's founder, Kim Il-sung, wrote detailed instructions on how entertainment and leisure activities should be undertaken in his 1958 work on some immediate tasks of city and country people's committees is already telling. Unsurprisingly, Kim Il-sung argued that the physical leisure spaces have to be closely entwined with party politics, ideological socialization, and educational development through special institutions. Here is an excerpt of the aforementioned work as translated by Sino N.K., Quote, While raising the people's level of knowledge, the amateur circle activities in physical culture, dance, music should be developed. In this respect, the democratic publicity hall should play an important role as the center of cultural life. Unquote. This meant that leisure activities must be institutionalized and controlled by these so-called democratic publicity halls. In North Korean understanding, producing a distinctly revolutionary or ideologically sound leisure or culturally productive spaces has become vitally important to the existing propaganda narratives. 
Although centralization of leisure activities just through one type of institution never happened, even today the North Korean state plays a dominant role in producing and censoring entertainment content. The main themes and narratives of practically all movies, books and poems are centered around the themes of war, wisdom of the internal leaders, patriotism and loyalty to the party. Various new cultural phenomena appeared in the North Korean entertainment sphere ranging from the so-called Great Revolutionary Operas, copied from Mao's China, to the exhibition of Kim Il-sung years and Kim Jong-il years. While politicizing leisure activities to the extreme seemed to be like a good idea to the North Korean leadership before the 1990s, that approach also makes a mockery of escapism which is central to many entertainment activities. Unsurprisingly, the concept of government-controlled revolutionary leisure eventually began to lose its attractiveness among the general populace as the Chinese and South Korean pop culture began to penetrate the North Korean market in the 1990s and 2000s. What happened was that people got tired of the never-ending military saber-rattling surrounding them even in their daily lives. So Pyongyang eventually began to lose the cultural war against the international pop culture. Watching simple comedies or dramas without endless references to the great leaders, or listening to something other than just military marches, was a dream of many North Koreans. Ironically, people at the highest levels of political power, like Kim Jong-il, could enjoy and still enjoy all sorts of entertainment activities that would be labeled by Rodong Shingmun as capitalist, such as playing billiards, watching Japanese and American movies, or listening to Western music. However, all that was strictly forbidden for average North Koreans who began to access entertainment products on the black markets or when traveling to China in the 1990s and 2000s. To the government's greatest surprise, the general populace kept smuggling in South Korean dramas even despite harsh penalties like several years in labor camps. That was when Pyongyang was confronted with a serious problem, even though you would think that South Korean dramas are nothing but an innocent source of entertainment. The problem, however, was that these dramas showed an astonishing gap in the quality of life between the South and the North. Furthermore, their quality was much higher than that of any film ever produced in the North, which made them so popular and annoying for the government. Pyongyang had to answer a serious question. How should the government deal with this new cultural challenge? While Kim Jong-il, the second ruler of North Korea, failed to find any answers, his son embarked on a serious transformation of the entertainment industry and the DPRK, making a wider variety of leisure activities available to the average North Korean citizens, especially those living in Pyongyang. A report by the Korea Development Institute noted a boom in the construction of shopping malls, sports and cultural centers that lasted until 2020. It also noted that North Koreans who live in Pyongyang now have a widening range of places to spend their extra money and spare time. Specifically, Curtis Melvin, a researcher who has spent years monitoring satellite imagery of North Korea and mapping construction sites, has recorded a steady increase in entertainment facilities available in Pyongyang. In its construction efforts, the government has focused on the projects that aim at diversifying the range of available leisure activities, such as new housing projects, dolphin quariums, new shopping malls, sports facilities, new amusement parks, water parks, 3D cinemas, and even ski resorts. BBC has also reported that some of these projects are also being rolled out in the provincial capitals and special cities as well. 
The North Korean art studios like Mansude started to produce mass modern looking like comic books and manhwas. The musical scene saw the rise of Morang Bong Band, a North Korean version of the Spice Girls wearing miniskirts and performing rock and pop music, which was previously unheard of in the DPRK. Some popular Western artworks like Harry Potter are finally being translated, published and distributed in national libraries. Overall, Kim Jong-un's government has done a very impressive job on improving the situation with the entertainment industry as well as modernizing available leisure activities. Nevertheless, even after this modernization, the overarching narrative in North Korean pop culture comes from the state, with the greatness of the ruling Kim dynasty being a major ideological centerpiece. For example, when you walk in through the gates of Munsu Water Park, you are greeted by a statue of Kim Jong-un in a suit, enjoying himself at the beach. As the wire notes, if you are a tourist, your minders will definitely remind you that their respected comrade Kim Jong-un visited the venue multiple times while it was under construction. Another example is the aforementioned Morangbong band. It still keeps bringing forth many political songs praising Kim Jong-un and the party, albeit with a much greater difference in musical composition. That said, the new changes instituted by Kim Jong-un still mean that there are slow but certain improvements happening in the DPRK in the area of leisure and recreation. Some North Koreans can now go to modern shopping malls, visit recreation facilities and theme parks, and most importantly, enjoy a wider variety of cultural products to watch and listen to. So why this change happened in the first place? There could be several explanations, and they are not mutually exclusive. The first and the most obvious one is that the government can use new leisure products and services as a shield against external influences. This approach helps to decrease the pressure coming from the South Korean pop culture market if combined with the strict restrictions on smuggling. Why would you risk smuggling in South Korean pop music if you can listen to relatively similar works of Morang Bong? Another reason might be that the government now better understands the escapist functions of the entertainment industry and leisure activities. Escapism is particularly important considering the restricted lifestyles of many North Koreans. The problem of leisure starvation, or a monotonous state with the absence of strains or strong emotions, is particularly acute in North Korea. In fact, the lack of escapist opportunities is one of the main reasons why the rate of drugs consumption in North Korea is so high, as I mentioned in episode 13. In fact, one could claim that drug consumption is a major leisure activity too. Anyway, through the expansion of available leisure activity types, the government is trying to provide an escape route for emotional release. There is naturally a psychosociological explanation too. Leisure activities tend to improve labor productivity through self-development as research coming from the OECD region demonstrates to us. By increasing access to leisure facilities, the government may also be trying to positively influence the mental and physical health of its people, thus increasing overall satisfaction with the political status quo. Although I imagine that many of you will find my words about the North Korean government caring for its citizens rather ironic. One final note. The aforementioned types of leisure activities still remain a luxury, mostly available only to the richer residents of Pyongyang because of huge income inequality gaps that have emerged in North Korean society. Living in the provinces with little supporting infrastructure, people are way more focused on making their living. 
their standards of living are also well below those of their compatriots living in the capital. With the economic fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic, it is also very likely that many of these activities remain unavailable even to the residents of Pyongyang these days. What is your opinion on this question, though? Do you think that further expanding the list of leisure activities for rank-and-file citizens could help Kim Jong-un to sustain his authoritarian rule? Leave your opinion in the comments below or in the review section. If you like this episode, please leave a positive review on the podcast platform. Also feel free to provide your feedback on this episode's quality and ask any questions about North Korea that you might have. Thank you for listening, stay healthy and stay tuned.